1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour.
1: Hello, and
2: welcome to Rookie and Nice, the new podcast from BBC Good Food. My name is Miriam Nice. And I'm Nadia Ziafat, also known as The Rookie Chef. Unlike Miriam, I'm right at the start of my cooking journey. My day-to-day job is replying to your feedback and talking to you on our social media channels.
1: Whereas I've been working in food and food writing for many years, including the last six at BBC Good Food. In this series, we're joining forces to deep
2: dive into a recipe with an expert guest and help answer your cookery questions too. While I learn how to perfect a new dish, each week Miriam will be finding out how and when it's served and who to.
1: Join us as we learn all about some of our favourite dishes and uncover some great cookery tips direct from the experts.
2: This episode, we're going to be talking about borscht, a popular recipe that actually has many variations.
1: And like the few thousand people each month searching for it online, Nadia and I want to find out more.
2: So, to help us this time is chef, food stylist, and award-winning food writer Olya Hercules. Hi, how are you? Hi, really well,
0: thank you. How are you guys? Yeah,
2: good. Not bad. Um, so, Olya, tell
0: us about
1: um, about you and what you do and your your work.
0: Uh, So, originally I'm uh, from Ukraine, I was born in Soviet Ukraine in 1984, Uh, lived there until I was 13, and then lived in Cyprus uh, for a bit, and then came to the UK to study at university, did my uh, degrees, and then um, ended up working as a journalist for a bit. And then when I was 26, I think, I just thought, well, I'm completely obsessed with food, so why not turn this obsession into my work and then I don't really have to work then I'm just doing something that I really <laughs> love and um, well, luckily um, you know super supportive parents and um, so they helped me out with my elites uh, you know studies of I kind of retrained to be a chef worked in restaurants for a while and then um, I wrote my first cookbook, Mamushka, in 2015, um, which did uh, really well for a niche cuisine, I think. And then I wrote uh, my second one, Caucasus and um, Summer Kitchens. My third cookbook has just come out in June and I'm working on another project already. So, you know, I I write, I uh, promote Eastern European cuisine, Ukrainian cuisine especially, and I teach. And uh, whenever we're allowed again, I'm going to start cooking again for people, which I can't wait mm-hmm. to do
1: so many things
2: <laughs> i know i'm just sitting here in awe like that wow. that's an amazing resume so um to kick off we've got some cookery questions from our audience that we asked over instagram the first one is from romps uh what's the best way to enjoy beetroot
0: oh well there are so many uses my one-year-old son uh, who, as a true half-Ukrainian, <laughs> really loves beetroot. So Joe, my husband, has been making, has been boiling it and then grating it and mixing it with yogurt and kind of mm-hmm. like selling it to him as a beetroot barani. He doesn't know what beetroot barani is yet, but it's really beautiful. <laughs> of course, you can make borscht. Uh, uh, you can make salads. And you know, for ages, I was quite obsessed with, I used to work for Telenghi for a while as well, and I was obsessed with kind of roasting beetroot. And recently, I've gone back to boiling it. Uh, just like in its skins for ages um until it's really you know quite soft obviously not falling apart or anything but quite nice and soft and then just using it in in so many things you can grate it and mix it with some apple and dress it with some vinegar and a little bit of honey for this kind of like a relish um what else can you do with beetroot? You can make kvass, which is like a fermented uh, drink. So you just chop some uh, beetroot, some raw beetroot, put it with some water, add a little bit of salt, a little bit of sugar, and then you just close the jar and leave it in your kitchen until it starts bubbling up and it's delicious. And you, of course, you can add that to your uh, borscht as well. Uh, Ah, so many things with beetroot. (laughs) One of the most fantastic things, like super quickly, just tell you this. For those who actually think that they hate beetroot, Try this, all right? It's a it's a uh, Georgian salad. So again, a boil or roast your beetroot, whatever you like. I leave it up to you. And then you make this really amazing sauce using plums. And if you, if your plums are a little bit sour, that's all good as well. So you cook the plums down into a puree, get rid of the stones and everything, and then add some salt, some garlic, some dill, and like blitz it into this kind of like a condiment, almost like a brown sauce consistency. And toss that through your beetroot. Add some herbs. It's amazing. That sourness kind of like makes the earth of beetroot really shine and it's just like amazing that
2: sounds that highly sounds
0: delicious.
2: yeah <laughs> do you know what i'm my mum is obsessed with beetroot it's a staple in our fridge but we only ever really have it with salads and now hearing you say all these different ways to yeah. use it, it's just making me realize there's a whole world out there of different ways to enjoy it could write a book on beetroot for sure you should <laughs> but, but fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um maith and fear I'm definitely saying all these Instagram Instagram <laughs> names wrong but let's just roll with it. <laughs> um I've heard most polls buy a borscht concentrate to make borscht. Any thoughts on using it or beat K-
0: kvass? K- yeah.
2: Yeah? Yeah, yeah? Yeah. 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 Okay.
0: <laughs> Um, Yeah, so the borscht concentrate situation is quite a, I mean, I'm not judging, like if if people want to use it, that's fine. To me, it's just a little bit too kind of processed and artificial kind of thing Um, so I don't use it as I say yeah definitely go for beetroot class you've just heard the description it's so easy you just pop some beetroot with some water add a bit of salt and sugar and then a couple of days uh, depending on how hot it is in the summer it's a couple of days in the winter maybe five days or so you'll get this really beautiful fizzy uh, liquid that you can add to your borscht to add sourness and depth of flavor
2: sounds wonderful uh, underscore kpm says i don't know if this is relatable to this but what are some good sides for savory brunch foods
0: oh you know what my favorite uh is uh, season is coming up actually uh, spring and one of my favorite side dishes is actually new potatoes or jersey royals or something and you can really you know just boil them and then you can jazz them up with whatever you've got. So, for example, you can make a shrimp butter. So you you literally just uh, b- uh, blitz up some brown shrimp with some soft butter, maybe add a little bit of garlic to it, maybe some herb, like a dill, of course in Ukrainian, I love dill. And then you just toss that through your hot potatoes, maybe crush them a little bit with a fork as well. And you can do all sorts of butters to put through your potatoes. So uh, shrimp, you can use seaweed. Um, I'm going quite seaside, maybe I'm just maybe <laughs> (laughs) craving a bit of a bit of seafood these days iron deficient and holiday deficient yeah Yeah. definitely um or just super simple you know just loads and loads of herbs and some oil uh would be delicious also uh but yeah i think that's all i can think about right now like sort of new potatoes come on bring it on yeah
2: i love how you say all i can think about is if you didn't just reel off so many incredible ideas i have have no idea what i would say to that but that's why i'm not a chef um (laughs) Emma Keenan asked, do you have any good baking ideas that are freezeable?"
0: Ooh, baking that's freezable. Mm. That's a really hard one. I'm sure there are loads of things that freeze really well. But to me, actually, yes, I do. There's this a tart that you can make, uh, which is actually even good eaten frozen. So, you know, when you make pastry, um, you can make a pastry using some uh, normal flour, some buckwheat flour, maybe some uh, kind of blitzed up nuts as well. And then instead of not, don't roll it out, just kind of like squash it into your uh, pastry case um, and then fill it with something that freezes quite well. Maybe even like a Um, what's the word? A condensed milk kind of and cream and some fruit or whatever like uh, mixture and then put it in and then you freeze it. Ah, raspberries and raspberries, raspberries and you can use frozen raspberries as well of course or fresh ones and then you put that in and then you put it into your freezer and actually it's really good eaten frozen. So you take it out and then you just cut it and it's this kind of like almost like an ice creamy like frozen pastry Ooh. thing but it really works like so nice. hit me up on instagram i'll send you a proper recipe it's like really hard sort of, to explain what it is yeah like an <laughs> ice creamy cheesecake kind of thingy that's yeah so yeah but frozen nice. but and frozen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah make it in an <sighs> advance and then boom just take it out delicious
1: that sounds dreamy <laughs> yeah
2: now let's get down to the main recipe so for anyone that doesn't know what borscht is would you mind just giving a sort of rundown of it
0: Yeah, of course. So it's not a pureed soup, 100% not. And I'm not a stickler for authenticity. I think, you know, you make your dishes authentic to you. But with borscht, really, guys, it's a broth and it's quite and it can be quite different. Where I come from in the south of Ukraine, it's uh, quite thick with quite a lot of uh, vegetables. So there's loads of, um, there's beetroot, there's, uh, you know, cabbage, uh, carrots. This is kind of like a sofrito thing that you make it needs to be brothy, so liquid, not, a, not pureed. But when you stick a spoon into it, it doesn't move. It just like stands up straight. That was my grandmother's, like, <laughs> you know, a sign of a really good borscht when there's so many vegetables that, that you know, your, your spoon stands up straight. But of course, by the uh, Polish border, for example, they make a borscht, uh, especially during Christmas, with these little dumplings filled with mushrooms and sauerkraut. And it's a crimson kind of like consomme almost. They take all of the vegetables out after you do the vegetable stock. So, you know, it's very thin. So there are different kind of interpretations of the dish all over Ukraine, Poland and other Eastern European countries. Um, but yeah, the one that I've got for you today is made with um, beef. But you, if you're a vegetarian, you can also make a really lovely vegetable stock with maybe with some dried porcini or something in it. And then, you know, just be- basically omit the, the beef and the, the rest of the process is the same.
2: So is this version your your personal favorite or you know is there different moods for different uh, versions
0: yeah i think this is the most kind of like th- this is the one that my mum made uh a lot uh so i've got beef shin in ukraine she would probably use beef brisket but i don't know ukrainian biscuit is much fattier than what i found here so i found that in in the uk either beef shin or, or oxtail works really well so it's mm-hmm. kind of like you, we are just catching this last weather for this for this version, you know, like February when it's a bit cold in the winter. It's such a good kind of, um, yeah, regenerative uh, dish that makes you feel better. And so you've spoken
2: about all these different types, but does it always contain beetroot? Because I know Miriam confused herself on, on that.
0: <laughs> I think when we were uh, emailing each other, I got a- <laughs> It's like, one with with beetroot in. No, you know what? And you were right, because sometimes um, what we call green borscht actually does not necessarily contain beetroot. Sometimes it's got beetroot tops in it, but sometimes it's literally uh, a vegetable stock and whatever green things come in in spring. So sorrel, nettles, um, but mainly sorrel. Yeah, and we do call it green borscht. So you're right. It doesn't necessarily (laughs) need to have beetroot to be called borscht, but the one that we're talking about, uh, the beetroot. The version
2: yeah. is definitely <laughs> <be tragic. laughs> Yeah. So are there any other essential ingredients?
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy
0: gem of a detour. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Um essential ingredients i guess this for for a ukrainian borscht you would need your um what we call smazhenya which is kind of like a ukrainian sofrito and we use this uh technique for quite a few soups so it's onion and carrot and the carrot is uh either grated on the rough side of the grater or you can julienne it kind of quite finely and then you caramelize them a little bit in the pan uh if you've got meat stock you use a bit of the you skim a bit of the fat of the stock and, and c- c- cook. Uh, Uh, your onion and carrots and that, or use a little bit of oil. But basically, it's to add the sweet element to borscht. Because, of course, it's, you know... It seems quite simple, but it's the flavor profile is quite multi-layered. You've got sweetness, you've got sourness. Sometimes you can add a little bit of heat with kind of like garlic stirred through at the very end, or maybe even like a bruised chili. Um, And there's the saltiness umami from beetroot and tomato, whatever else you're you're using to add those umami notes. Um, But yeah, it can be so versatile. And of course, it can be made with fish. Uh, as well um, vegetables even um, in the north of ukraine back in the day they used to make it with baby eel with elvis so there, there are so many varieties yeah I was
1: just going because I was just going to ask you like how much kind of can you change it? Are there kind of infinite variations? So it seems like anything gets, apart from pureeing it is that that's that's a no no.
0: Yeah, I think the pureeing is is definitely like a Western interpretation of the dish, which sure. <laughs> I'm not so much on board. Like it's cool, just call it a beetroot soup. It's all right, but yeah, no, never ever puree. It's gotta have bits in it. Uh, but yes, of course, there are variations. Like even within Ukraine, you know for summer kitchens I've traveled all over and each region even like the region within a region would might have a very special uh version of it like for example in my Town, uh, th- they used to dry this uh, little fish that tastes quite crayfishy actually. Um, they used to dry it and pound it into a kind of like into flakes, almost like Japanese style. It's really interesting. Mm. And then also they used to dry um, little tomatoes, and they would add the, the dried tomatoes and dried fish uh, to add flavor, umami flavor to it in winter when those things weren't available necessarily. So yeah, like yeah. really, a lot of varieties, and of course, from family to family, it would, would it would uh, vary as well. As I say, you know, it can be authentic to your family. Um, so yes, varied, but don't puree it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and thank thank you for sharing your recipe um, with us, which you said is from your family. And I think that that's that's going to be lovely, and we we're going to do a recording of that afterwards, which so people can kind of cook along with you. Um, so in yours it uses you make your own stock if somebody wanted to use pre-made or something they they can do that and you can use leftovers would that be that would be fine for that
0: yeah, it, yeah, of course, it'll be fine. I'd rather people, you know, actually had a go at the dish rather than just saying, "Oh no, this is absolutely not acceptable." Of course, it's fine, <laughs> but having said that, um, the stock is really important. So it's uh, it's quite simple. You don't really have to. You just need to a couple of hours to go and watch some Netflix whilst it's <laughs> happening. Like, and and it's very simple because it's just meat, one whole onion, water, and one bay leaf. Like in Ukraine. We, you know, if you're making a meat stock, we don't bother adding any vegetables. So you add the vegetables after, as you will see when I when I talk through the recipe. But it's so simple, and it it creates a really um, gorgeous kind of like basis for for the soup. So it is it is important. But if you can get some nice stock from somewhere, of course, just go for it. And you can, and you can, as you say, also leftovers. If you've got like a leftover roast chicken, you can make a stock out of that. Absolutely. Um, that would work too
1: uh, I also wanted to talk to you about when you first fell in love with cooking because you said like you know you wanted to do this where you're um, almost not working if you, you see it that yeah. way that's, that's the passion if you're doing all of those things and you're you feel like you're not working it sounds
0: like you're working to me Yeah, (laughs) you're working on a knackered, to be honest with you, especially today was such a busy day. So it doesn't mean you don't get tired. (laughs) You are working. It's super hard work and restaurants were, uh, you know, hellish at times. But um, at the end of the day, you've got this kind of like sense of satisfaction that carries you through all of the, you know, graft. But um, yeah, I didn't cook when I was a kid, actually. Everybody was such an amazing cook in my family and they didn't really pressurize me to cook for ages. And then when I was a teenager, my dad was like, "Mm, maybe you should cook with mom like every weekend, not because he was super patriarchal or anything, just because he recognized that cooking is such an amazing skill and he cooks really well as well. So yeah, I I burnt everything and it was a bit of a disaster. And my mom kind of like, you know, just gave up in the end and just said, look, when you actually want to do it, you will do it and you'll do it well. And I think she was right. So I went to Italy um, to study Italian, you know, as a university exchange thing. And I was inspired there. So I was 19 and everybody in our halls of residence, like boys, girls, Italians, you know, they just cooked so well, sometimes using really simple ingredients, but everything was just so delicious. And I, I don't know, they breathed this passion into me and also made me draw parallels between Italian cuisine and Ukrainian cuisine. You know, they used to get these boxes from their families uh, with, you know, one of the boys had like a family that were butchers. So, they, you know, all of this amazing meat would come in or like jars of sugo de la mama, which is, uh, you know, the the kind of like, a, uh, what is it called? Like a ragu sauce that their mom would make and send to them. And it just reminded me of my mom as well, because my mom used to send all of these boxes to my brother at university. So I don't know, it made me really connect on many levels and then when I went back to the UK I started uh, kind of cooking slowly slowly a, a little bit of baking first and then I couldn't stop I was just obsessed with reading about it watching all of the shows you know just became completely obsessed.
1: <laughs> and so you were you burning everything were you also like a fussy eater did that change when you went to Italy or did
0: you eat everything uh, growing up? Y- you know, I I was definitely a fussy and quite a weird eater when I was a kid. Like, I would make my mom make me one thing for the whole week. So if I wanted <laughs> buckwheat and liver, bizarrely, you know, I would just be like... Can you just make me this every single day? Like a really strange behavior. I don't know. I'm sure that like, people would have something to say about that. <laughs> anyway, um, it stopped when I was, uh, you know, a teenager, I guess. When I was 14, I, I, I just suddenly started eating everything and a varied diet and not just one thing over and over again. And then, um, yeah, and then slowly, slowly kind of just really got interested in uh, cooking as well, as I say. And Italy was so inspiring. Yes. Yeah, Is there anything you refuse to eat now? Now, yeah. okay, I have a problem with avocados. I few people do actually. I try and I try and like. Don't get me wrong, I love it in a guacamole, like with loads of seasoning and lime and, and onion, whatever you know. Like as a, as a, I, I like it as a texture and whatever. But on its own or on toast, oh no way! <laughs> I Just just no. Just, I don't get it. I, I can't get on board with that. But um, yeah, a nice guacamole, of course, I'll eat. But I think that's one of the kind of rare things that I don't particularly love. Maybe I, I don't really drink milk. Like, I not not for any kind of dietary reason. I just don't like... The taste of it but I love custard and or and anything else made with milk but yeah those are the only two things I think <laughs>
1: I'm exactly the same I don't like milk or milk and coffee or anything like that but custard no. cream cheese all of the right yeah. give <laughs> me but yeah like a glass of milk <laughs> yeah. I'm like no you're all right <laughs> no no yeah <laughs> another, another person that's good <laughs> yeah yeah
2: <laughs> so if someone's making it at home what would you
0: say are the most common mistakes that you that you hear about with borscht? Yeah. Uh, maybe not cooking, if you are using meat, maybe you're not cooking your meat um long enough, and also uh, don 't you know when it, when you're cooking when you're making the stock don 't boil it, just let it simmer kind of like just splutter away gently for a couple of hours um and yeah if and and using actually do use uh meat that 's quite fatty because of course when you 're poaching something, you need a nice amount of fat for that, especially if it 's beef for the for the beef to become really nice and tender and not dry. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the only thing. The, the rest of it is really quite uh, straightforward. Just use the best ingredients that you can find and uh, seasonal ingredients. But that's for any cooking, really. I mean, that's yeah. how you get the best flavor out of things. Yeah.
1: What would you serve it with? But like, Would you have something else with it um, on the side, perhaps?
0: Yes. Uh, so traditionally, we serve it with these buns called pampushki. Which are incredible. Um, I've got a sourdough version in my latest book, Summer Kitchens, and I've got a yeasted version in my first cookbook, Mamushka. And they're basically, you make um, this enriched, slightly sweetened dough, almost like for brioche in a way. And then you shape it into uh, little round buns and um, you put them into a round cake tin or something or a pie dish uh, touching each other. And then it almost looks like monkey bread, if you can imagine that. Yeah. Then you glaze it with egg and you bake it. Um, and then you, whilst that's happening, you mix a little bit of oil. I use good quality sunflower oil, some garlic and some parsley. And then when the bread comes out, you and whilst it's still hot, you just pour all of this garlicky parsley oil over them and it obviously absorbs it. And, um, yeah, so that's the traditional kind of bread that you serve uh, with your borscht, and it's delicious. But that just a, a nice, yeah, <laughs> it's so good, honestly. Um, but a, a little bit of crusty, nice bread it would also work nicely, or, or a bit of rye bread also. No, I
1: di- no, don't serve anything else apart from those, those garlic. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> perfect.
0: Don't, don't want, settle for anything. I don't want to eat
1: any other bread again. I just want to no. eat that. That sounds
2: Do you know what? Something I've, I've sort of, Um, found out from doing this podcast that it seems really obvious when you think about it but I guess I've just never thought about it the fact that with each dish that is served with like a a bread roll or you know sort of bread on the side every cuisine has a different type of of way of making it to make it suit the dish and I just find something it's amazing how something so simple as just bread can be so adaptable and so different depending on you know what dish it's going with and who's making it i just i think that's why i love cooking so much because it's just so different
0: yeah and some co- some common and basic ingredients and you know very familiar ingredients uh but used in a completely different way you're right and yeah that's a good point actually
1: and would you i mean if you're serving it with with kind of bread like that i mean would you consider it a special occasion dish? It sounds like if you were making it like that, that would just be stunning. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. It can be a very special occasion dish. And, um, you know, like the version that I'm giving you today has got some prunes in it. Or did I not put... Yeah, 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 yeah. So I I use prunes in this one. Um, It absolutely can be a special occasion dish, especially if you're bothered to make the pampushki bread. But... For us in Ukraine, it's also something that you definitely eat at least once a week, especially during the colder months. So, like my mom would just make it and it, and it becomes better um, each day. And it can last for about like, you know, four to even five days if you keep it in the fridge. Great. And the flavor, not that it would last that long, to be honest with you, it's really tasty. <laughs> but um, but with, with each day, those, those flavors kind of like m- keep m- kind of mingling and marrying together and it just um, becomes better and better
1: and with your food stylist kind of hat on how would you best present it to kind of show it off
0: um so you know what in the last couple of years I've kind of like stopped over styling things Mm -hmm. so just naturally just it's it's beautiful just Pick a beautiful plate that maybe would offset the color of the borsche um something with a nice yellow rim or a green rim or something, and then um maybe some dill fronds on top or some chopped uh parsley or whatever herb you like, but of course dill is you know super traditional and it's so pretty as well. So pretty. Um, and that's it, really. Yeah, no, no tricks uh, for that one. I think with some recipes, kind of leaving them alone is is quite a nice thing. Uh, Nigella Lawson, in her latest book, wrote about the beauty of brown food as well. And you know, uh, recently, if me and my husband we work together, he's a photographer, so when we shoot things, and I'm like, oh, you know, this dish looks really brown, like it's it's a dal or something like that. And I'm like, should we put some herbs in it? And she's like, let's not. Let's just leave it be. Like brown food mm. is is beautiful. Just go with it. So, but borscht, as beautiful as it is, is going to be uh, nice and crimson if you use, uh, you know, the red beetroot variety and um, a little bit of dill is all you need. And those buns in the background, if you make them.
2: For sure.
1: Oh, I'm going to be thinking about
2: those buns all weekend, honestly. <laughs> so um, you say that often you'd have it maybe a couple of times a week or at least once a week. Um, so how would you add it to a menu would it? Would you serve it by itself, or would it follow another dish, or maybe a dessert? What what sort of menu would you have it with?
0: So it's uh, what we call a first. It's def- you know you can eat it as a you know it's it's good enough to be a main course for sure. And a lot of the times that's how we would eat it at home. But if you are making it part of a menu, just um, give a slightly smaller portion and make it your starter essentially. Uh, so yeah, one little pampushka and a little bowl of borscht, and then follow it up with uh, whatever you like. You know, like a big head of roasted cauliflower or something, or you know, with some dill oil, or um, I don't know, whatever else you want to. If if you're doing a meaty borscht, I think a really nice vegetarian main afterwards would be really cool. That sounds great. And
1: who? So you've got your your and your um, pampushka pampushka yep yeah <laughs> um, and your beautiful head of cauliflower who would you have around your table who would you want to serve it serve it to and you can have um dead or alive fictional characters if you like um, so who, oh wow who would be there
0: Oh, why haven't I thought about this properly before? Like every time I open a newspaper and there's one, you know, this kind of like, I I think they do it in the FT and I'm like, ooh, this is, I love reading about this. Okay, so who would I have uh, at my perfect dinner? So if I could have dead people, I would definitely have my, all of my grandparents and maybe even their parents. That would be quite cool. Um, I'd have my parents. And then I would have people like um, Elizabeth Luard. Um, probably should super fun. Um, maybe I'll have my husband Joe as well. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just to take um, the pictures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no. Um, who else? Who else is there that's super fascinating? It doesn't all have to? They don't have to be food people, do they?
1: Nope, no, anyone you want
0: uh anyone I want oh god oh this is a really really hard one it's really (laughs) hard it's really really hard but immediately like what I I definitely definitely would like my grandparents to be there I'd love Mm -hmm. to know more about them now that I'm an adult like my one of my last grandma died a couple of years ago but uh, my other grandparents I mean I was kind of like 12 13 when they all went and um and I wish that I've asked so many questions and you know and I I didn't when you're a teenager or even a bit younger you're just a bit like yeah you know you see your grandparents of course you love them but you don't realize you know how much you really want to know and want to connect so yeah definitely my grandparents is the main thing
1: yeah sounds.
0: the main people
1: it also sounds like you're going to need more than one head of cauliflower with all those people yeah (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely that sounds lovely great well i think that's all we have time for and thank you so much for joining us i can't wait to try your recipe yeah and ollie is going to record this if that's
1: still all right she's going to record a recipe for her beef shin and prune borscht which we cannot wait to try and it's going to be available as a separate episode at the weekend and will also be on bbcgoodfood.com thanks very much ollie i'll see you next time thank you so much for having me it was great Thank you for listening to Rookie and Nice, a new podcast from BBC Good Food. For recipes and more information, please visit bbcgoodfood.com slash podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode.